Brad and Rhonda Walls. If you don't know Brad, how many of you remember Ivan and Tilly Walls? Okay. This is their son, Brad. Brad and Rhonda have served in uh, missions since 1989. They went to Argentina, began a missions program in Argentina that grew to be the largest mission sending uh, country in the, the Latin American region um, around the world, gave a million dollars to missions for the first Assemblies of God developing country to give a million dollars to missions in one year, I believe in 2009, and uh, also has been a part of building up missions organizations in Latin American countries and uh, was a part of a team that developed that. And every Latin American country uh, in the Southern Hemisphere, other than Cuba, has a missions department now because of this group and because of that. And everything that they've done, we've been a part of. Through our prayers and through our giving, uh, we have partnered with them since 1989 and sent them on the field. And uh, today he's going to share a report of what God has been doing, and uh, he's going to challenge you through the word. And so we're going to set that up with a video, and then he's going to come and share. Would you make him feel welcome as he comes after the video? In 1989, Brad and Rhonda Walsh arrived in Argentina with a vision that was unique, daring, and ahead of its time. They believed in raising up Argentines to fulfill the Great Commission and go into all the world as missionaries. The first years were very difficult, and it seemed at times the vision would never come to pass. But God helped us. In 1995, we saw a breakthrough, and we began to see great growth. And that breakthrough continued and we grew and grew. By 1997, we had over 100 missionaries. In 2009, we broke a million dollars in giving from Argentina. And even now, the growth continues. We have over 170 Argentine missionaries in 42 countries of the world. The vision didn't stop with Argentina. In 1998, Brad was elected by the 20 Latin superintendents to bring a new focus to the Latin America Missions Network. Today, that network is one of the strongest in the world, with each country in Latin America having a missions department and over 1,600 missionaries being sent to over 80 countries. Being a North American, it was and is an honor that the 20 superintendents of the Latin American countries entrusted me with the honor and responsibility of leading their missions network. It's been exciting to see it grow and see how Argentina has impacted those other countries to realize that they too can do it. They trust Brad because of his experience in turning theory into practice. Argentina's example helped break the mentality that it can't be done, no se puede in Spanish, but today they don't say no se puede, they say si se puede, which means yes we can do it. Of course they can do it with God's help. The vision didn't stop with just Latin America. In 2009, Dr. George Wood, as the chair of the World Assemblies of God Fellowship, asked Brad to form a missions commission to raise up that vision among the 160 autonomous and national general councils around the world. Brad took up that challenge, and today that network is functioning, growing, and bearing fruit. In February of 2015, we had the fourth World Missions Congress for the World Assemblies of God in Bangkok, Thailand. We had over 70 nations represented. Today there are now over 95 countries that have a missions department or leader of some kind. Those 95 countries are sending out 8,000 workers. 
We believe that God has great potential to continue sending the non-Westerners into all the world. It seemed impossible when we started in 1989 with this vision in Argentina that this same vision today would be touching nearly 100 nations. Brad has traveled to 116 countries and ministered in countless national missions events and congresses. Now Brad and Rhonda have decided to give the next 10 years of their energy and focus exclusively on the World Network. We have now turned over the Argentine ministry to disciples that we have raised up and nurtured. And in these next 10 years, we will focus on Africa, Asia, Europe, and of course still Latin America. Most of these countries are pioneers and just getting started with Missions Vision. There are great churches in Africa, Asia, and Europe that are, we are challenging to respond to the Great Commission. The Great Commission was never intended for just a handful of nations, what we call the rich nations, to go into all the world. God's plan was that all nations would go to all nations. We are now challenging the 85 new senders to respond to the call of God that He has placed in on their young people and to send those that God has called to go. We believe God will raise up over 35,000 workers to be sent out from over 100 countries in the future. As Brad and Rhonda dedicate to raising up 100 strong and healthy countries to go and fulfill the Great Commission, we want to say thank you for your support and your prayers, and thank you for believing with them as they continue in this next phase of World Missions Leadership. with you today and this weekend and tonight I think I have this on yeah and uh, can you hear me okay fine and uh, my uh, folks send greetings and they're homesick this weekend more than they're homesick all the time <laughs> but I think it's worse this weekend because they know I'm here and they're not so they're really homesick this weekend but um, anyway uh, this is uh, 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 honor to be with you in this missions time and uh, Pastor Tom mentioned that uh, uh, the, what we in the video talked about the Argentine program so I usually have three hats and I forgot them and I ran out took a different suitcase and so I usually have three baseball caps and so it's an illustration and so we've had three hats one of them in I'm turning over so the first hat you just pretend I have a hat on and uh uh, the first hat is Argentina, and I always tell people, we started with our missions department years ago, and uh, they said it can't be done. And today we have those uh, 182 missionaries now to 43 nations. So we thank the Lord for that change, and uh, praise the Lord. And again, um, you know, this was, uh, the church has been part of this the whole time as well. And so that hat and people always ask if this is a result of the revival because Argentina had a great revival in 1984, one of the most famous revivals in modern-day history because it really took a, a small, insignificant church and put it on the map. We went from, you know, probably a, a, a tenth of a percent of believers to about 10%. And so it was one of the most uh, transforming modern-day revivals. And, and, and so I always say yes and no because the Holy Spirit called people in the revival to missions, but he never put a vision in the church to send them. And so I'll talk a little bit more about that tonight. And so that was, I always call that was discipleship to helping 
uh, people understand they're called to send. Because I used to say, God, why did you half bake a cake? Call people to go, but didn't put a vision in the church to send them. And he helped me to realize that there's a lot of things that are discipleship that he doesn't have to call us to do, that we're discipled to do. So, for example, none of you were called to tithe. You were discipled and taught to tithe, as an example. So we helped disciple the church in that area. And there's actually two assemblies of gods in, in Argentina. One that was started by the Swedish Pentecostals and the one that was started through America and Canada. And they, they're, they're both strong churches, but the ones that were started with the Swedes, um, their missions department is probably about like this. So that tells me the difference between this side and this side was not revival, but discipleship and vision. And so, you know, this side was revival without discipleship, and this side was revival with discipleship. So, you know, a move of God never solves all of our problems. It always has to be accompanied with, uh, with discipleship and, and teaching and training. So that hat represents Argentina, one country, and we have 182 workers. And I'll take off that hat, which I don't have. You're just imagining with me. And I'll take on another hat, and this hat is Latin America, and this is the one we've been focusing on since 1998. And we just had a great, a week ago, and I'm still tired from it, still recovering from it, but uh, it mentions a lot of Congresses. We had, we have every three years our big Latin Congress, and we had it last week. In fact, it finished a week ago Sunday morning. And uh, we had it this time in Dallas, because uh, it's a long story, but the U.S. Latin districts are probably, um, probably behind Latin America in their missions vision. And, uh, and so... We wanted to, uh, there's a new network that's formed linking Latin America and the U.S. Latin districts, and we said, well, let's do it in Dallas this time. So we had a little less attendance from Latin America because uh, of visa issues, but we had about 625 people from 24 countries, and about half were from the U.S. Latin districts, and about half were from Latin America. It was a powerful time, and uh, we finished that a week ago Sunday morning, and so we started a week ago Thursday. We had all last week we're in, in, with that Congress. And just to, so that hat is Latin America and helping. And, um, uh, and Pastor Tom mentioned that everybody has a missions department except Cuba. But Pastor Tom, I'm glad to tell you that Cuba formed their missions department now. And uh, they, they just done it recently. And they said, we, you know, we've been warning for years. You, you don't wait for the island to change. You prepare and then God will allow people to go. And so that's the hat that, that uh, uh, and then my last hat, so I'll take that half off. And my last hat is a Nike hat I didn't bring with. So Nike's just do it because we, uh, we were challenging a lot of the countries of the world to stop talking about it and just do it. So a Nike, just do it. Nike theology for missions. And don't just talk about it, but just do it. And so that hat represents, uh, and so our hat from Latin America uh, represents um, the 24 con 22 countries. And the hat from the world, we have now 96 countries that have formed a missions department of some kind. And that's what we're focusing on, working with those 96 countries. So the Argentine hat, we're turning over in a two-year transition. The Latin America and the, and the world hat are the ones we're focusing on going forward. And it's exciting to see, little by little, uh, the poverty mentality broken. Argentina's been an example for them. This is our largest bill in circulation. It's 100 pesos. And we've had about 40% inflation. And I've got a table out there. And so you'll you see it tonight, too, if you don't have time to go by it this morning. And I, by the way, I have prayer cards. I'd like you all to take a prayer card and, 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 and keep it in your Bible or wherever. But in the Argent, the head has, on that table has two coins that were worth $3 uh, a little over 10, 12 years ago or so. 
And so our largest bill, and now with 40% inflation, those coins are worth, and I don't, uh, ju just a few cents. But this is our largest bill in circulation, and it's 100 pesos, and, uh, and they're going to print some new ones now for 200 and 500, but the president that just, they just turned over power to a new president, she didn't want to admit that there was a 40% inflation, so she, went, she was too stubborn to uh, print higher bills. But this is our highest bill, and it's worth about uh, $7. And so, and they're not like the U.S. with a lot of, ca uh, uh, um, we don't have a lot of cash anymore here. You know, you hardly use cash. And, uh, and so it's all debit and credit. Argentina still is a very cash-driven society. They have lots of cash. So, you know, you want to go buy an iPad or an iPhone, you have a, you know, you have a whole pocket of cash. And uh, so uh, you want to buy a car, you need a suitcase of cash. Now, they still use some, they don't, it's not all cash for a car necessarily, but I, you know, people use a lot of cash here. It's not like here. And so um, for Argentina to send out over 180 missionaries on a, basically a third world economy with 40% inflation, just uh, has been an inspiration for other countries because they say, if, if Argentina can do it, we can do it. And so that's where it's been exciting to see because, you know, they think that, well, missions, the U.S., U.S. has money, so the U.S. does missions because they have money. And that's not biblical. The U.S. doesn't do missions because we have money. We do missions because we're Christians. And so part of it's our fault that we never passed on that DNA because we said to these countries, reach your country, reach your country, reach your country, reach your country, and we never said, and by the way, you too eventually shed and go into all the world because that's what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say United States going to all the world, Europe going to all the world, that's church going to all the world. And so we've, we've been slow in passing on that DNA, but slowly it's coming along. And so it, we're exciting. Thank you for supporting us with these three hats over the years. And, and as we uh, uh, work with 96 countries in the future, it's a lot of hours in an, in a, in an airplane and lots of challenges and, and trying to form a team. We've got a great team in Latin America, and so we're just forming a team on a world level, and so thank you for your prayers with us for that vision. Uh, I'm going to share a little bit, Luke chapter 10, verse 2, and, uh, and so, you know, people ask, is God raising up um, missionaries from other countries because he's done with America? And I say, why would we want to spin a positive thing God's doing as a negative thing? So God is not done with America. He's wanting to raise up people from other countries, and I'll mention this a little more tonight. Um, you know, uh, the harvest season can be, sh can be short in, in the Dakotas and, and because of the frost comes early, and it's even more so in North Dakota. And so a lot of times in, in North Dakota, there's, uh, the, the harvest season is short, and there'll be these combines, and you'll have these com companies that'll have like 10 combines, and they'll just go in, and they'll bring in the harvest an entire day in a, in a farmer's field, and then they'll go to another one the next day because they bring it in quick because then you don't have to worry about the, about the frost and so on. And, uh, and so my illustration would be that the, the Bible talks about the 11th hour harvest. And I'll talk a little bit more about this tonight as well. But we believe that something has to happen in the last days before, before among the, especially there's 40 countries where the church is, is, so, is so, really just doesn't exist. And, uh, you know, this is one church, and, and there are thousands of churches in the United States, and, 
And yet there are more people here this morning than there are in entire countries, which is hard for us to understand. And in fact, I could, I could even, uh, there would be some countries that would have less believers than there are in this section alone. And so imagine, you know, and we're talking countries of five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten million people. So imagine that um, you're not from one area today, but imagine that, you know, the size of Iowa and Minnesota and Nebraska and South Dakota and North Dakota combined, and, and this group of believers are coming together once a year underground as well, just to encourage each other, and some of them are from Fargo and some are from uh, uh, Omaha and some are from Des Moines and some are from Minneapolis and some are from Sioux Falls. And, and that's just hard for us to understand. And we believe that something has to change in those because Matthew 24 says this gospel will be preached in all the world and then the end will come. And so, you know, God is not raising up people from other countries because he's done with America, but because the last day harvest will be too big for any one country to bring in their own. So using that illustration of combines in, in North Dakota, you've got, you know, God is raising up today some Guatemalan combines and some Filipino combines and some Nigerian combines and some combines from Africa and some combines from Romania because we, the American combines aren't going to be uh, enough to, to bring in the last day harvest. And, and, uh, and so that's what God is doing in the in 11th hour harvest. And so we have a saying in Argentina we've been used for, using for a number of years, missions is done with the feet of those who go, the knees of those who pray and stay, and the hands of those who give. So in Spanish, it's even got even more punch than in, than in English. Sometimes there's things you can't quite express well either way. Uh, and uh, so some things you can't quite express well in Spanish and other things you can't quite express well, but it has more, more punch. And so in Spanish, it's... Misiones se hace con los pies de lo que van, la rodilla de lo que quedan y oren, la mano de lo que dan. So in Spanish, it's even better than in English. But in English, missions is done with the feet of those who go, the knees of those who stay and pray, and the hands of those who give. And so we start out, missions doesn't start. A lot of times our error, and even when we challenge for faith promises like you will next week, our error is we think of money, but missions doesn't begin with money. It begins with people according to the word. So we'll start with Luke 10, 2. It says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Now it doesn't say there the harvest is plentiful and the money is little, little. Or it doesn't say the money is limited. It says the workers are few. And it says, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So it says uh, we have a problem. The workers are few. There's not a shortage of money according to the word of God. He owns a Cattle on a thousand hills. We know all those verses. The, the shortage of is according to the Bible of workers. And so then it tells us, what do you do? You just can't say abracadabra and, and, and manufacture a worker. And so the Bible then says to pray for workers. So my poor mom, I, I, I used it as an illustration, so it's not fair. But it's, and so she, for years, like many others, have prayed for missions. But I, I always will say that in her paradigm of, you know, missions are Americans and God's raised up Americans, so she would shoot low instead of shooting high. But that wasn't her fault. Her fault. Everybody did that. So, um, you know, but she would be praying, God, raise up more American missionaries. Raise up more American missionaries. So she's shooting low, but God sees the heart of many people like her. 
So God begins to call workers in the 80s. We had this for Argentine revival, and God begins to call these Argentine workers. And uh, they didn't know what to do. And they, I'll never forget the story of one of them going to her pastor, and she's seven, she'd been saved for three months, and she was 17 years old, been saved in the great Carlos Anaconda Crusades that had taken place there in the, in the, in the revivals. is beginning to spread across Argentina, and he'd have crowds of 80,000 people, and just an incredible uh, a, a revival took place that was shaking that nation and uh, putting the church on the map. And, uh, and uh, she went to her pastor and said, God's called me. And in fact, it was to Afghanistan, one of the harder nations of the world. And she says, God's called me to Afghanistan. And her pastor says, well, you could never do that. That's not something we Argentines could do. That's only something a European or North American could do. We Argentines could never do that. And so she was devastated. You know, how could you say we could never do that? And uh, later on, she went and served in that part of the world with her husband and kids, had babies in that part of the world. People say, how could you take babies to such a dangerous place? She said, the safest place for us to be is in the will of God. I could be in Buenos Aires, out of the will of God, cross the street and get hit by a bus. Safest place for us to be is in the will of God. So my, when we heard her story, my wife says, we got to make sure the next generation of pastors aren't telling their young people, you could never do that. That's only something a, a, a European or North American could do. So she took BGMC, which is our Boys and Girls Missionary Challenge, and she Argent, we took it and put an Argentine face on it, Argentinized it, and, uh, and, and we called it Little Hands for Missions, and began to teach missions to kids. And so in 1991, 92, there was this young five-year-old girl in the city of Rosario, some of you who keep up with soccer, Lionel Messi, one of possibly the greatest soccer player in the world is from Argentina, and he was from that city. It's a city of about 2 million people, three hours north of Buenos Aires. Very poor city, lots of slums, very, very, um, very humble uh, area. And uh, she was in a local church, and they were teaching her this from this program, Little Hands for Missions. And God calls her to missions. And it's an exciting story. She's there today in Africa. Uh, a couple, when she was about 10 years old, she wrote a letter to one of our Argentine missionaries in Africa, in, in Cape Verde. And actually, there's a book on that table there that we just came out with the history of our missions from the first 20 years. Just came out uh, a few months ago. And, uh, and so she got to be a year or so ago. She was in a missions convention in northern Argentina up and near the Brazilian border. And it happened to be that she was with this missionary she had written when she was a 10-year-old girl. Now she's in her upper 20s and has a, just had her second baby. And with, and, and, uh, but uh, so here this, she, she had kept this letter. So she goes and, and she knew she was going to be with this missionary. So she goes and shows us this letter. And the missionary didn't even remember it. You know, it happened, you know, uh, 16, you know, in the, in the 90s sometime. And this little girl wrote a letter. And she answered the letter. And she said, boy, am I glad I answered that letter. And uh, so she answered the letter. And we actually took a picture of that letter and put it in our history book because it was just a symbol of how God had called this little 10-year-old girl. And, uh, and so she was all excited being with this person that she'd written a letter years before, and now this veteran is saying, wow, you know, and here you are now a missionary. And so it's exciting how, you know, God is calling workers from other countries, and, and he keeps calling workers from the United States as well. So I always say, if God could call a 17-year-old in Argentina and a, and a, and a five-year-old, he keeps calling 17-year-olds and five-year-olds here. And so 
if we can just stop for one second, for one minute, and, and if we can pray that prayer of Luke 10 too, and uh, as well, God uh, took many people from this church that are Dave Boyd and others that are serving around the world and other places. God can keep calling forth people. So the Bible says pray for workers, and we need to pray for workers. But let's not shoot high. Let's also ask God to raise up workers from other countries as well. So let's pray that prayer. Lord, your word says the harvest is great and the workers are few. And we pray that you would keep, for, keep calling people from First Assembly of Huron, dear Lord. We pray that you could call forth five-year-olds or 17-year-olds or whatever age you want to call. And we pray that you would keep calling forth workers for the harvest. And not just from Huron, but from South Dakota. Not just from South Dakota. Keep calling North Americans, dear Lord, because you're not done with North America. You want to keep using North Americans in the harvest. But we pray, dear Lord, as well, that you would not just call from North America. We pray that you would call forth from Asia. We pray that you would call forth from Philippines, dear Lord, from Miramar, where Pastor Tom was a brief time ago. Lord, call forth young people and that their churches, would, they would go out in, in the future, dear Lord. We pray that you would call forth Africans. We pray, dear Lord, for Nigeria. We pray for Tanzania, a million believers, Kenya, thousands and thousands of churches. And we pray, dear Lord, you would raise up workers, dear Lord, from Africa, Romania, dear Lord. We pray you would raise up workers, dear Lord, from many, many nations because the harvest is great but the workers are few. And we pray there would come a day we can say the harvest is great and the workers are plentiful as well. In your name we pray, amen. So we're gonna read a second verse in Psalm 2.8. So it says, missions is done with the feet of those who go, the knees of those who pray and stay, and the hands of those who give. And so I'll probably talk more about the hands that give tonight in the banquet, but we wanna take a moment to talk about the knees of those who pray and stay. So Psalm 2.8, Psalm 2.8, and you know what? One of the things, one of the errors we make in making faith promises is we're giving, we're pledging to give our money, but sometimes we don't pledge to give our time. And sometimes it's easier to give $20 in 20 minutes because we're all busy. And I want to challenge you that we cannot win the world with men and women and, 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 and money and might. And we've seen in these last years, you know, uh, America's in a powerful country, and we could, not, uh, we could not win over Iraq with men and women and money and might. So you can have all the money in the world, and you can have all the might in the world, and we're not going to see win the nations. Wait, nations are not won through strength, but actually through, through our weakness. And so Psalm 2.8 says, Ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth, your possession. And I want to challenge you again, using the illustration of shooting high or shoot, shooting high or shooting low, um, it's, not, it's not wrong to pray to God and ask him lots of things. My son's praying for a car. He needs a car right now, and so he's praying for a car. It's not wrong to ask God for a car or for a job or this, but God is saying, ask of me for the nations. And a lot of times, we have this saying in, in, in Argentine Spanish, because it's not even, they even use, don't use another word. It's called pavadas, and pavadas is kind of dumb little things. So it doesn't have a good translation. But So God is saying, ask me of the nations, and we're asking God for pavadas, for just dumb little things. God, give me a car. God says, ask me of the nations. He tells us to shoot high, and we shoot low. Now, now, you know, to not feel guilty for asking, I'm not, it's not wrong to ask God for, for, for a car or, or for our needs, 
Because when we're shooting high, our needs are also included in the nations. But the difference is what you're aiming for. So, you know, when we are asking God for the nations, we can also ask with more confidence for our own, for our own pavadas, for our own needs. But the problem is when we only are asking God for dumb little things and our needs, prayer becomes a selfish thing. God becomes a, you know, all-year-long Santa Claus, and, and our relationship becomes focused on us when God wants to be focused on, on, on others. And in fact, there's a, a word, you know, prayer and intercession, I like to just as an illustration, not a theological one, but a practical one. Prayer has to do with me. Intercession has to do with others. So even the dictionary definition of intercession is asking God on behalf of someone else, like a lawyer representing somebody else. You know, and so Latins, they're prayers. They love to pray, but they're not always the best intercessors. So I think, you know, they, they were, we would say the same thing about us, but, you know, Latins have that passion, and so they, they love to pray. So our prayer, a lot of times we're praying and God, you know, and so I can say my family, my city, my home, my church, my country, mine, 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 but I don't say my world, it's the world. And if I say my world, I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about my city, da, 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 one of the mine. So prayer, a lot of times we're focused on mine when God wants us to focus on the world. So I, I want to challenge you that in this missions month, and not just to make a faith promise of money, but to make a faith promise of prayer. And an hour a month, 15 minutes a week. Not where you're going to pray about your needs, but you're going to pray for the world. And you say, I don't, you know, and to pray not just for missionaries, but to pray for the world. Because we will not see that the Muslim curtain, we know we saw the Iron Curtain fall in the 90s. There's no doubt intercession was because of that. Brother Andrew, many of us read God Smuggler when we were kids, and Brother Andrew and the whole prayer movement and, and praying for the Iron Curtain. And, and, and a lot of that was really European-driven because it was their neighbors in their backyards and their countries were divided. And, and then God brought down the Iron Curtain and 40-some nations opened up overnight to the gospel and, and many other nations followed. And yet the Islamic Curtain is not going to come down without some serious intercession because it's not 70 years old. It's hundreds of years old. And we've seen, you know, and so we come back to, you know, using baseball as an illustration. And we all, you know, major leagues, and a lot of you are Twins fans, and and they were, and so we have the major leagues, and we have the three, you know, triple triple A, double A, and 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 A. And a lot of times, using that illustration, I want to give you an illustration of a major league player and how a country was changed. But I want to bring us back. We're not all major leagues, but I'll come back in a minute. So many of you remember Kelvin Olson. He was a missionary from Minnesota, and uh, he went, served in Bangladesh his whole life. He's, of course, with the Lord now. And Kelvin Olson was a man of intercession and prayer, besides being a missionary. And in fact, we have... The only superintendent we have of the Assemblies of God who was a Muslim convert, because we have lots of superintendents from Muslim countries that were Christian background, nominal Christian, because, uh, you know, even in Egypt, you have the Coptic Christians. So we have superintendents that were from Christian backgrounds, but the only superintendent we have 
in the world, in the assemblies of God that was a Muslim and converted to Christianity is Asa Cain of Bangladesh. And he was won to the Lord by Calvin Olson. And, and so he's our only superintendent that we have of a Muslim nation where, where he was a Muslim background and converted to Christianity. And um, so Calvin was an amazing spiritual man, but God had led him for prayer and fasting at different times of his life extended. So the Lord leads him in the late 80s on a 40-day fast for the country of Albania. Albania was the only, and this is actually in a book by Peter Wagner, it's documented in there. And, 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 and uh, P- Albania was the only nation in the world that was officially an atheistic country in their constitution and bylaws. And it wasn't so much fear of Christianity, but they were more afraid of Islam because if you know of Albania, it's there by the Balkans, the ex-Yugoslavia, and many of you remember the war in Kosovo back in the 90s? And uh, it was a, mu- a civil war between Muslims and Christians. So there's a strong Muslim presence in the in ex-Yugoslavia, in, in the Balkan area. And so it, Albania was probably more afraid of the Muslims than the Christians. So they, they had it el- officially an atheistic country. No missionaries could be in there. And God led Calvin on a 40-day fast. And some of you who might remember him, he was a skinny guy to start with. And, and so he asked his permission. He lived in Wilmer, Minnesota at the time. He was a... And he went, and, and his wife was worried about his health because he was skinny to start with, and, he was, uh, and she was worried about his health. So she calls the leaders in Springfield, Missouri, our headquarters, and asks them, please talk to my husband. I'm afraid. Ask him to break the fast. So Jerry Parsley, who was his area, his regional director, drove up from Springfield, Missouri to Wilmer, Minnesota, to ask him to break the fast. At, to, but he could continue praying, but to break the fast. So Calvin, being a submissive person, because spirituality doesn't mean independence or arrogance either, submitted to the leadership, broke the fast, and, 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 but continued praying on for a long time. After about 49 days, 50 days, the Lord lifted, his, lifted that burden from him, and he, the Lord said, okay, you're done. Within a month, the government of Albania fell. We had missionaries on the ground within a week that went over from Turkey to there. And it's not a strong church yet to this day, but we have, in the Assemblies of God, we have over 1,000 believers in a number of churches. And you can go in there. People go in from other countries. I was with Bulgaria last year, and they were going to send a young team, a youth, uh, like an AIM team for Bulgaria to go in and preach in Albania. And it all happened because, and, uh, and when Peter Wagner interviewed him for his book on spiritual warfare, he says, well, I'm sure there was other people doing the same thing. This wasn't from me. He was such a humble man of God. But now, some of you say, but I'm not a major league player, and I could never play ball in the major leagues. And you know, you're right. All of us aren't major league players, including myself. But you know what? Everybody can play summer softball. And, and, and you know, sometimes we don't do something because we're not a major leaguer. And the, some people go from summer softball to the minor leagues, and they play A ball, and then they play double A, and then they play triple A, and then some, very few make it to the major leagues. So everybody's not a major leaguer. And you don't need to feel guilty if you can't be a major leaguer in something, because that's something that God gave that, him that ministry. But we can all play summer softball. And so I want to challenge you. You know what? Giving money to missions is important, because that's what missionaries live on but we're not going to win the world without beautiful knees. And Romans 12 says, quotes Isaiah, how beautiful are the feet of him who brings good news. And so we use that word, we need the beautiful feet. 
we, need, we have beautiful feet, but we need the beautiful knees and the beautiful hands to send them. And I have the luxury of getting another chance to speak tonight so I can not even get into the beautiful hands um, because we can say that for tonight. Normally, I'd have to find that real quick, but I don't have to do that today. So I want to challenge you. And of course, missions is also beautiful hands. So there's also that giving part. But I want to challenge you. We will not win the world without beautiful knees. And you don't have to be a major leaguer to enjoy, you know. And so you, you take 15 minutes a week to pray not for your world, but for the world. Because we cannot win the world without beautiful knees. So if you'll stand with me. And uh, because I get a chance to come back tonight, talk about beautiful hands tonight. But uh, we prayed earlier for beautiful feet, and now let's ask God for beautiful knees. And one of the things that we're so excited about challenging Latin America and Asia and Africa, you know, the Summers of God is 70 million people in the world. It's the largest practical Protestant church in the world. Sometimes we're overshadowed. Southern Baptist is so big here, and we don't realize it. But the largest Protestant church of the world is the Anglicans, but many of them are state Christians from England, so the largest practicing Protestant church in the world is someone's God, 70 million believers. I mean, that's on Wikipedia. That's nothing new. And, and, and so we're saying, God, give us 140 million beautiful knees. We get some of those African knees and some of those Latin knees and some of those Asian knees praying as well for the world. There will be a breakthrough before Jesus comes for his bride. And that Islamic curtain is going to fall eventually. But how and when, I don't know. But I do know it's not going to come through strength. It's going to come through weakness. And isn't that really how the Lord works through us? Because really, we can't do anything on our own, but we need his grace and mercy. And all of us are here because of his grace and mercy. And all of us, the great things that God uses to do, it's all because of his grace and mercy. So he doesn't use our strength. He uses our weakness. And our weakness in his hands becomes much. And so, Lord... We prayed earlier for beautiful feet. And now, Lord, we pray that you would raise a beautiful knee. We pray that this missions month would not just be faith promises raised up for your kingdom, but we also pray to Lord for prayer faith, faith promises of prayer. And we pray to Lord that there'd be lots of people who would play summer softball in prayer and intercession. And that you would take some of those and lead them into a, a minor league uh, prayer and intercession. And Lord, maybe you even want to take some people into the major leagues. I don't know your plan for us. But Lord, we pray that you would uh, raise up beautiful knees. We pray that you'd raise up the beautiful knees, not just in Huron, but we pray you raise up beautiful African knees, beautiful Latin knees in Latin America, beautiful Asian knees. And dear Lord, that we would see your church raised up in those places where it's not raised up yet. Those 45 nations that are resistant and have not had a breakthrough yet. Lord, we pray for beautiful need. It's not by might, not by power, by your Holy Spirit. And you use us, dear Lord, to be part of your kingdom. In your name we pray. Amen. We're going to if you can hold tight for just a second, we're going to end our service today by giving you a chance to, to give in an offering uh, for Brad and Rhonda.
and to partner with them financially. Uh, they still need to raise their support, and they're on itineration right now doing that and uh, raising that budget. And so uh, I'll give you a few minutes to get that ready. Uh, if you're writing a check, please make it out to the church, and we're going to pass that along uh, to them. But if you, in your mailboxes over the last few months, uh, there has been something called Change the Map. And I haven't shared yet um, a little, a lot about my, my trip to me and mom. I'm going to be sharing that next Sunday night. Um, but it's been interesting to me how God has orchestrated uh, this trip. And I knew back in uh, the summer when I heard about the trip, I needed to go on the trip, um, didn't want to go on the trip, fought going on the trip, gave lots of excuses about going on the trip, um, but finally just signed up because I knew it was something God wanted me to do. Um, and next week, I'm going to share how that's all kind of unfolded. But out of that trip has come this prayer for Buddhist nations. And in your mailboxes, if you haven't been here on Tuesday night prayer, we've used that to help us pray for these Buddhist nations uh, around the world that have no presentation of the gospel, a very small church or no church at all. And uh, it's called Change the Map because that's what we're doing. Through our prayers and through our fasting, we're changing the map. It's no longer unreached people groups. They're going to become reached people groups. They're going to become a viable church and then be sending out missionaries around the world. But uh, some of you, if we've had extras of those, and I've been putting them in your mailboxes, so maybe you've seen them. If you haven't, I just wanted to draw your attention to that because throughout this mission celebration, I genuinely feel like God has just been building layer upon layer. You know, um, I love the fact that uh, Brad alluded to the fact that, you know, a move of God is not going to solve all of our problems. The Apostle Paul had an encounter with God on the road to Damascus that changed his life, but he spent weeks and months being discipled, preparing for what he was called to do. And so I believe over these last several weeks and in the weeks ahead, God's going to continue to do it. Layer upon layer, he's building in our lives what he's calling us to do and what he's asking us to do. And uh, I believe we're going to see it more and more in the weeks ahead. And so I've given you enough time for your offering. Um, we're going to pray. It's 1 o'clock. We're going to come back at 6 o'clock. If you haven't got your missions banquet ticket, uh, please do that before you leave today. Once the ushers come by you, consider yourselves dismissed. But Father, again, we thank you for just the privilege of being able to partner with missionaries like Brad and Rhonda around the world. God, to be a part of the harvest that's coming in through the ministry you've called them to do. God, I pray that the challenge that you've shared with us today, God, that uh, missions, uh, reaching the nation starts with the feet of those who go. God, that you would continue to raise up workers, uh, not only from our country, but from around the world, to go into other countries, to win people for you. God, that you would help us to see how you've called us, God, to be the feet here in this city, to get our eyes up and see the harvest that's all around us. God, thank you for the challenge to pray for the nations of the world. And I thank you that you've already begun to show us that and begun to do that, uh, Lord, here in this church. And I pray that that would increase more and more in our individual lives and in our lives as a corporate body. God, I thank you for this challenge today, the things you've spoken to us through your word. Holy Spirit, help us now to take them and to begin to put them into practice in our daily lives. God, I thank you for Brad and Rhonda, the ministry you've called them to. Thank you for the ability to give in this offering today. Use it to build your kingdom around the world, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, as you after you